Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, God, that you love us in great ways. Thank you that you never leave us alone. Uh, thank you, God, that we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, God, for your son, most of all, uh, the one who not only showed us what love is all about, exemplified how to live life, but became a sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, for not just us in this room, but for the entire world, if only we will receive it. We pray, God, that you would eliminate distractions this morning, help us to recognize uh, your presence, help us to recognize the word that you would have to speak to us today, and help us also, God, to apply to our lives. Christ Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I feel like we're a little bit down this morning, okay? So here's what I want you to do. First of all, grab your Bible or grab your smart device or whatever. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So go near the end of the Bible, uh, end of Paul's letters anyway, close to the end of Paul's letters. Find Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me ask you uh, to help me out, right? Uh, we've talked about prayer lists. We've talked about all the people on our prayer list. We've got a cancer list that's longer than it should be, right? It's been there for a long time. We all recognize those things in our, in our life, the brokenness, things like that. But sometimes I think we don't recognize God's goodness. We're all blessed. Regardless of what's going on in your life, you're blessed. Amen? Amen. So tell me how you're blessed. Somebody. We woke up this morning. I'm breathing, right? Yeah, amen. Yeah, we're breathing, right? Who else? Another birthday. Praise God for another birthday, Bonnie. Amen. 94 is young. 94 young, right? Amen. Praise God. And you're, you're a pillar of this church, right? I mean, seriously, I, I mean that. Um, you've been around here forever, and, uh, and we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that. So, yeah, I, I, those heroes in the faith, the Bonnie Campbell, right? Somebody else? Family, yeah, yeah. This is what we call a family church, and so if you've been around here long enough, we're a family church. I praise God for being a family church. We just don't gather and sing a few songs and then go about our business. We're a family church, amen? All right, what else? Children, I hear children, right? So those that, that next generation that we're passing off the church to, we, we are grateful for them and grateful for volunteers, grateful for servants that, that teach in Sunday school and and discipleship, and kingdom kids, and all that kind of stuff, uh, we're grateful for those things. Amen. I heard something over here. Grandkids? Yeah, yeah. Amen. What's that? The needs are always met. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that this morning in our Bible study in Psalm 31, right? Our needs are always met. The psalmist in Psalm 31 recognizes the, the challenges of life, but then he always says the but God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I think we come to... Go ahead, John. There are exceptions to every rule, right? We ought to be thankful except for... So, yeah, a little harassment there. Um, I think sometimes we get so focused on the woe is me, life stinks, um, that we forget how good we have it. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I realize some of us are in pain. I realize some of us need jobs. I realize all these things. I realize there's 
there's tension, right? There's always going to be tension between flesh and spirit. There's always going to be tension as long as we live in this world, in this body, in this flesh. As long as we live here and now, there's always going to be this tension. But the danger is is we get focused on the pain. The danger we get focused on the struggle. The danger is we get focused on the brokenness that we forget about how much God loves us, how much He's blessed us, and how, as Paul said, we talked about it last week, right? Some of you will remember this. It's, it's we already live in the blessings of God, right? We, we recognize we don't see that completely because we live in this, this limitation, right? But God has already done something. When Jesus says, it is finished, that's what exactly what He means. It is finished. To tell us, right? And the greatest blessing you have, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the greatest blessing you have is salvation belongs to you. Not because of who you are, but because of the graciousness, the mercy, the compassion, the love of God. And we miss it. No, we get so focused on the, the stuff, right? And I'm not trying to, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not minimizing the stuff. Because sometimes stuff hurts. But I recognize we're also victorious. We're victorious because of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that this morning. I also want to remind you that we have a responsibility. We have responsibilities we just looked at in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. To live our lives as a living sacrifice, Paul would say, right? A living sacrifice that is pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You want to know what it means to worship? This is all great what we do here on Sunday mornings, but our spiritual act of worship is how we live our lives, right? Holy and blameless as we talk about. If I asked you this morning what's the definition of holy, somebody would probably bring to the table definition something like this it means to be set apart and that's true it means to be set apart my question would be set apart for what okay in other words we have a responsibility it's not just being a consumer of jesus christ it's not just about walking down the aisle being more religious than everybody else outside the the walls of this place we have a responsibility of jesus christ that jesus christ died for our sins he died for the sins of the world And if you acknowledge that, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is no longer you who live, it's Christ who lives in you, Paul would say, right? He would say, this is our hope, is the cross. Now, for those of us who haven't made that claim yet, for those of us who haven't associated ourselves with Jesus Christ, then what I'm saying will always sound like it's foolishness to you. Because Paul tells the church in Corinth, you remember the church in Corinth, right? a messed up place, he says, this is what the cross means for us, follower of Jesus Christ. For those who've never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, all this will sound like a bunch of gibberish. All this will be foolishness to them, right? But for those of you who've experienced the faithfulness of God, for those of you who've experienced the love of God, for those of you who acknowledge that sacrifice was made for you, now what? How will you live your life holy and blameless? How will you be set apart from the world? How will you be different from everyone else around you? How will you stick out like a sore thumb, right? How will you be blameless? 
if you don't associate yourself with Jesus Christ. So, to the church in Thessalonica, and let me just, before we read from chapter 4, let me just offer to you a little bit of scenario. The church in Thessalonica is made up of both Jews, it's made up of Gentiles, it's made up of people that have been followers of God for a long time. It's, it's been people that have been follower, followers of, of Jesus for a short time. It's about religious people. It's about people that are just seeking after God, who want, who want things to be made right in their life, right? But primarily, it's in a Greek part of the world. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? We're not talking about Jerusalem, the hotbed of Judaism. We're talking about a specifically a, a, a Greek a speaking, culture, Greek uh, uh, scenario. Does everybody understand, right? In other words, that's going to play into what Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles, has to say and how he's going to say it, okay? Uh, your responsibility is, is huge as a follower of Jesus Christ. And he uses the same words in Romans, in Colossians, we'll see here in just a moment, and also here in 1 Thessalonians. Before I get into chapter 4, though, I want to turn your attention to chapter 2 and a couple of verses, especially if the screen will play nice with us. Uh, okay? So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You got the next slide, Brandon? So, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is from the NRSV. Your translation may read a little bit different, but we may get there, we may not. But you may look at chapter 2, 11 and 12. It says, as you know, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, as you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you, here's the phrase, live a or lead a life worthy of God. Lead a life worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. All right? The English Standard Version says it this way For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to what? To walk in a manner worthy of God. You, you, you don't just hear this receiving, right? No, he says to walk. There's some kind of action, right? There's some kind of living sacrifice, he would say in Romans chapter 12. So he says in the ESV, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. All right? The NIV. Some of you have the NIV. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you, here's the phrase, to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Do you hear the theme here? Paul is saying, it's not just about receiving, it's about doing, right? Discipleship is not just about being a little baby in Christ, receiving, it's about growing up into Christ, right? We've talked about the Great Commission, going to all the world, baptizing, that's a doing word, teaching, that's a doing word, right? When he tells, when Jesus tells the apostles, follow me, he doesn't say, hey, receive what I give to you, does he? No, follow is a doing word. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about, right? We're not talking about doing for your salvation. We're not talking about a works-based salvation. What we are talking about is now that you've met Jesus, now you have a responsibility to grow up in your faith. Everybody understand? Okay? Some of you have the King James Version. I'm going to try my old English. All right? 
as ye know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God. Notice that. Walk worthy of God. Who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and this is, this is key for where we're going in chapter 4, he says you have a responsibility and it's about action. It's not just about receiving. Does everybody understand? Let me turn your attention back to Colossians chapter 3. For those of you who were here last week, you'll remember this. For those of you who weren't, this will make sense to you as well. Back to the NRSV, Colossians chapter 3. Again, Paul writing to the church in Colossae. He, read, he writes, Thessalonians, or, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, set your mind on things that are above. What's he talking about? Action, right? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, past tense. For you have died. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about this tension between flesh and spirit. If, if you're a believer, you have died. Remember we talked about in Romans chapter 6? Buried with Christ in baptism. Risen to walk in a newness of life. So, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things, not, not on things that are on earth. Right? That, that's a huge thing. To set your mind. To get this direction down. To recognize that God wants you to go somewhere and you need to get up and go. Okay? Growing up into Christ Jesus. Is this, is this resonating with anybody? Right? I think all too often. Let me give you a little sports illustration. Um... I mentioned to you before on, on Friday nights uh, playing ba uh, football when I was growing up in high school playing football um, or in baseball, you know, getting ready for a game. I wasn't to so excited about practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I just wanted to get to the game. Do you understand what I'm saying? All too often, we in the church, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to get to Friday night. We want to get to the reception. We want to get to the thing that we are preparing for, but we never prepare for it if we don't practice on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. In other words, we don't want to do the hard work, do we? Anybody honest? Yeah, yeah. We got to do the hard work, right? If you want to win on Friday, what do you do? You practice like you want to play. You ever heard that before? You practice as you're going to play on Friday, right? Or on Saturday, or whatever the case may be, right? And if you're not growing up into Christ, if you're not practicing, right? If you're not, and let me give you a little bit of a, a spiritual analogy, if you will. If you never prepare for the storm, anybody know what I'm talking about? What's going to happen? The storm's going to take you out. You follow? Right? So you've got to prepare for the storm. You've got to grow up. The writer of Hebrews would say, it's time that we get off some of this milk and we move on to meat, some kind of protein that nourishes us, things of that sort, okay? So let me ask you to consider, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy and blameless, to live this life of spiritual sacrifice that Paul tells us about, to live this life worthy, as he says in chapter 2, and let me read from chapter 4 here. Here's what he says, finally, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ 
that as you learn from us how you ought to live and please God, now your ears ought to be burning now, because here's what he's going to, he's going to answer the question for you, right? This is a gimme, right? Here's what it means to live as Paul wants you to live, and more importantly, not just Paul, but God wants you to live, right? This is how you ought to live and please God, as in fact you are doing. You should also do more and more. For you know that what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God, your, big word, sanctification. Your becoming like Jesus Christ. That's what what sanctification means, right? To growing up into Christ Jesus, right? So let me give you a, a couple of other big words. First, you're justified, right? You're considered not guilty as you come and you meet Jesus Christ. You associate yourself with Jesus Christ. You're considered justified or not guilty, Now, sanctification, as Paul just talked about here in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, means now I've got to grow up. This is what we would call discipleship in the church. It's more than just coming down the aisle. It's more than saying a prayer. It's more than getting wet. Right? It's growing up into Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, eventually, we already talked about the already, not yet, but eventually... There's this word called glorification, where we become like Jesus completely, where there is no more flesh, where there is no more struggle. But do you understand we're talking about justified when you first meet Jesus? Now Paul is talking about your maturity, your growing up into Christ, and he uses the word sanctification. Are we on the same page? Right? This is what we're talking about, this growing up into Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us, your sanctification, verse 3, that you abstain from, and then he lists these sins, the fornication, that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles or like the pagans who do not know God, that no one wrong or explicit a brother or exploit a brother or sister in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, just as we have already told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God did not call us to impurity, but holiness, but holiness. For God did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this, rejects not human authority, but God. You hear what Paul's doing? Paul is saying, hey, church, this is not my message. This is God's message. This is pretty important. Would you agree? I mean, sanctification, growing up into Jesus Christ, it's not just about being justified. It's not just about getting that free card, as we talked about last week, and sliding into heaven. It's not about that. It's about growing up into Jesus Christ. You see, in the West, all too often we have people that think salvation happens when you die. That eternity happens when you stop breathing, when your lungs stop expanding. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? That's not true. Salvation happens when you first meet Jesus Christ. That's what Paul would say. Paul would say it's already, but not yet. Right? So in other parts of his epistles, his letters, Paul would say, you have been saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. You have been saved, justification. You're not guilty. You are being saved, sanctification. You're growing up into Jesus Christ. 
you will be saved. Glorification. You are completely like Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? Anybody? <laughs> right? So justification, sanctification, glorification. Paul is saying, hey, there's something wrong about thinking that all you have to do is walk the aisle, get into the baptistry, and go about your business. Right? And how many people in our society, how many people in our world, how many people do you know who if we did a spiritual inventory would say, you know what, I really haven't grown spiritually in the last six months. I really haven't taken advantage of Bible studies, iron sharpening iron, opportunities to grow. I know, preacher, you get up and you harp on these life groups and you harp on these Bible studies and you talk about all these opportunities and things like that, but that's just not who I am. Can I offer this to you? Before you get to the Friday night, before you get to the game, before you get to the real life, you need to prepare for that storm. Right? You need to get in these opportunities. You need to get into a Bible study. You need to get into a life group. You need to get into relationships that hold you accountable. I know this is kind of foreign to some of you because it's much too comfortable to live like we've always lived. right? But you've got to prepare for those things because when those things come, then your faith is much stronger. Does that make sense? You, you follow what I'm talking about? Some of you have experienced that before. It, it's much too easy to say, well, I just, I'll give God a Sunday. Or, or I'll give God a Wednesday. And, and if I'm really spiritual, then I'll put something in the offering plate. Guess what? God doesn't want part of you. God doesn't want just a percentage of you. When people say, well, should I give 10%? I say, no, you should give 100%. You follow what I'm saying, right? We talk about time and talent and treasure, and it, it, it all sounds really good, especially if you're a Sunday school attender, right, or, or spiritual or whatever the case may be, but if we really understood the sacrifice that Mike spoke of just a few minutes ago, we wouldn't be concerned about 10%. We would be giving God... And I'm not talking about going out and selling your house and cars and all that kind of stuff. If that's what God calls you to do, then great. But the point I'm trying to make is we limit what we're going to give. We're not generous people because we don't recognize how generous God is. You hear what I'm saying? Paul would say, don't just be justified. Don't just receive Jesus as your Savior. Receive Him as Lord. You hear the difference, right? So when somebody comes down and says, hey, I want to associate myself with Jesus. I want to associate myself with his sacrifice. I want to associate myself with the cross. I would say, okay, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one sent from God, the anointed one sent from God? Do you believe that he is the one who can save you from your sins, that Savior, that salvation, right? But do you also want to make him the Lord of your life? That's key. Right? Because if you want to believe Him as Savior and not Lord, then who is in control? Who is in charge? You're still in control. You're still in charge. And Paul says you must be a living sacrifice. You must die to self. You must stop and let God fight those battles for you. Resonating with anybody? Right? Paul would say that's sanctification, that's growing up, that's, that's living the life of 
So let me ask you, if we're talking about holiness, if Paul says we should be holy, if, if we would say, well, holiness means, the word hagios in Greek means set apart. It does, but it means set apart for something significant, something special, right? Let me give you, let me give you a, it's still plain fair, right? Let me give you a slide from Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Moses, right, who's, who's about to give the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, right? Read with me, if you will, from the NRSV. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant. Notice that word, if. Some of you, we've talked about that, especially on Wednesday nights. This is conditional. If you obey my voice, if you keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. What's he talking about? He's talking about you are holy. Why are you holy? Not because of who you are, but because of who you belong to. You follow? Right? So if you think about it for a second, if you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3, this bush that's burning up, what made this a holy place? You know, God speaks from the, within the bush, and He says, take off your sandals where you are standing. It's holy. Why is it holy? It's not because of the bush. It's not because of the fire within the bush. What makes it holy? It's God's presence. Would you agree? Right? That's what makes it holy, right? So in chapter 19, 5 and 6, Paul, uh, Jesus, God tells Moses, and Moses tells the Israelites, this is why you are set apart, Israelites. This is why you are set apart to worship God. You are my treasured possession, he says. Out of all the peoples, I've chosen, I've chosen you. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Does that sound familiar to any New Testament Christians in here? Right? First Peter. First Peter has this in mind when he says you are a holy nation. Why are you holy? Not because you've walked the aisle. Not because you got wet. But because you are God's treasured possession. That's your identity if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, right? It's, it may not be your identity if you're just a religious person. You hear the difference? The Pharisees were religious. The Pharisees went through the motions. The Pharisees knew the 613 laws. But what does Jesus tell the Pharisees? Their hearts are far from me. You hear what's going on? If you've met Jesus, if you've associated your life with Jesus, you are His treasured possession. You are holy not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Right? And so Paul would say to the church in Thessalonica, he says, For God did not call us to impurity, but to holiness. Therefore, verse 8, whoever rejects this rejects not human authority, but God, who also gives His Holy Spirit to you. He takes up residence in our life. You all know Acts chapter 2, right? Peter's giving the great sermon at Pentecost, and it says it came time for an invitation. It says they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. And they asked Peter, brothers, what, what must we do? Peter said, repent. Be baptized. Be totally immersed in Jesus Christ. Associate your life with Jesus. And when you do, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the remission of sins. Right? 
this, this Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, moves in, takes up residence, and Paul would go on to say, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. You hear the difference? That should change everything about the way we live. It should change the way we see ourselves. It should change the way we see the world. It should change our purpose. It's no longer my purpose, it's God's purpose. It's, it's no longer the, the things that I, I have. It's what God gives me to be stewards over. It's not my money. It's God's money. It's not my possessions. It's God's possessions. All too often, we want to stand before God one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But we can't do that. Please understand, we cannot hear, well done, good and faithful servant if we are still the Lord of our lives. If we still have control, you will never hear well done, good and faithful. Key word is servant. Key word is servant. You're the owner of nothing. The key word is, is servant. I, I mentioned to you just a couple of minutes ago, and just for the sake of time, I want to. Can you find the Colossians 3 text uh, slide, Brendan, for me? Um, Colossians. Three, no, go to the already not yet slide. I want you to see this. Um, keep going. It's already not yet. There's a, a list there. So he would set your mind on things that of uh, that's it. And it just went south. Okay? So look back with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter three. Okay? Just a couple of pages to the left. Go to Colossians chapter three. Listen to what Paul says. This is what we were kind of getting at last week. Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, notice that, raised is past tense, if you've been raised with Christ, you seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, past tense, you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, past tense. It's already. When Christ, who is your life, present, is revealed, then you will also be with, revealed with Him in glory. Future. They understand? So in verse 1, you seek the things that are above. In verse 2, you set your minds. In verse 5, you put to death what is earthly. And then he gives a list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Sounds really familiar here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right? If you know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, just before he gives the fruit of the Spirit list, right? Faith, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. Just prior to that, he gives this List of sins in Galatians chapter 5, right? Paul's message is the same, whether it's Galatia, whether it's Colossae, whether it's Philippi, whether it's Thessalonica. Do you understand he's saying, don't just be justified. Don't just be considered not guilty. Don't receive what Jesus has done and make him the Savior of your life if you're not willing to make him Lord. You hear that? Now that may sound like a harsh message. But church, we've got to get we've got to get to a place where we're no longer just receivers of God's grace, but we also recognize the responsibility we have as being a follower of Jesus Christ. Not being religious, it's not about that. It's about making our lives a spiritual sacrifice. Holy and blameless, right? Be no longer conformed to the world, right? Don't define the way the things the way the, the world would define them, but be transformed, be 
be, be completely changed from the inside out. Be transformed, how so? By the renewing of your mind, recognizing these things, right? My prayer for you, church, my prayer for you, follower of Jesus Christ, is that you are not, you're not the Pharisee in the room. You're not the religious person in the room. You're not the person that's just going through the motions. That when you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you worship with your life, with all that you are about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Not just in a safe place like this, not just in a place that has four walls and a steeple, but the way you live your life, right? When the guys are out telling dirty jokes, when the ladies are over here gossiping, whatever the case may be, right? That you are different, that you stand out, that you stick out like a sore thumb. Why? Because it's not you anymore, it's Christ living in you. Amen? If you don't know this Jesus, today is the day. Today's the day. Let's pray. Father, for your word, I pray, God, that you would allow us to hear, and not only hear, but to heed and help us to be your church, help us to be the called out ones and recognize that we're not uh, just called because you love us, although that's true, but we're called for a purpose, and that is to honor and glorify you with all that we are. Help us to love you with our heart, with our soul, with our strength, with our mind. Help us to love those around us, uh, even those that are seem unlovable. Help us to love as you love. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy and compassion. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you, that has never experienced relationship uh, as you intend, I pray that today is the day of salvation.